Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. I'm one of the hosts here. In fact, the hostess with the mostest, Charles Chuck Thompson with me as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, but not everything, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. I don't really like the addition to my name that you've decided needs to be on there in the last week or so. This is an ever-growing name. It, I just It used to be the one who knows by everything. By the time? Like, and now it's, there's a disclaimer <laughs> at the end of it. By the time we get to maybe episode 1,000. Your name will probably take up the whole episode. <laughs> just the whole <laughs> just, thing. I just keep going and keep adding on to it. We were telling some good stories in the pre-show. If you want to know just a little bit too much about us, then go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty and start listening to the live episodes so you can get in on that pre-market, that pre-show action um, <laughs> half an hour before the market opens every single day. <laughs> And you go to patreon.com. You actually went live with the pre-market analysis in this group I this did. morning. So it was, I, a, I it was a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what, why? What's going on here? The class isn't watching. I was streaming into the Patreon yeah. group. The trade. You want to hear the stories that are, will keep us from being elected to office? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then join patreon.com slash good morning. We Liberty. haven't gotten to those stories yet. <laughs> and uh, you can sign up. What? What is it? Five bucks a month? Basically nothing. Five bones a month. And right. you can go 15, 30, whatever. If you go 15 or 30, you get some extra podcast episodes. We've been doing a series on healthcare called What Happened to Healthcare. I think I just did part five uh, the other day. So there's just all kinds of little extra tidbits on there. I did a video of yesterday. Of a 120,008 episode part. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's part five. Part five. So get in early. <laughs> you can still get in early. There's 100,000 more to go. You haven't missed much yet. So anyway, that's Patreon, and this is Good Morning Liberty, and you should subscribe if you have not. What are you doing with your life? Obviously nothing, unless you've hit subscribe or follow to this podcast. Yeah. Also, we love you, and I'm sorry. So anyway, well, we're against death. So if you want to be against death, then you would subscribe. Four percent of people that listen to this show don't subscribe. We call those the whore percent because that's what they are. And clearly they're for death. They like death. Yeah. Yeah. So Pro if you death. want to be part of the 96 percent, then you need to be anti death, which is anti death. Charlie. And, and so hit that subscribe button. How much of the Democratic National Convention did you watch last night? Ooh. There was a Democratic National Convention. Yeah, it was on Zoom. I think. Well, AOC I only got know. sixty seconds, so. I'd... Well, that's tonight, actually. Yeah. Oh, there's more tonight. Oh, it keeps going. Oh, yeah. Okay. It just keeps going forever. Well, once I found out that she only got one minute to speak, I was like, I'm not watching this. Yeah. Now, because I was so upset, I signed the petition. Even. I do think. Um, I think we should contact the Guinness Book of World Records because we might get 
the dumbest one minute of time that's ever existed on planet Earth. And if there, if no one holds that record for the the most stupid things that have said that have been said inside of one minute, she might finally go down in a book for something. I hope she does you it know? all in Spanish. God. <laughs> Me too. That way, I just yeah. can't understand what she's saying <laughs> at all. That would be good. So we'll be talking. Donde está la biblioteca? She'll be asking everyone where the library is the entire time or the yeah. bathroom. The, those two things. Donde está el pantalones? <laughs> well, we're all these days we're working from home. You know, I downloaded Babbel. I haven't taken any steps on it, but I yeah. downloaded Babbel. I actually do want to learn Spanish. Me too. I'm hoping someday to just wake up and know it because <laughs> other than that, it's not going to happen. Yeah. To tell you the truth. I downloaded Babbel, but I, have, I just haven't paid for it or tried. I haven't tried it yet. I've wanted to learn my native language of uh, <laughs> Illinoisan, no, of, of Japanese. So, I, But that's like a whole other thing. Yeah. There's, it's tough to learn a language where nothing ties to that language that's, whatsoever. And that's a really hard accent. It is. Yeah. Well, not for me. But I'll be able to do it. Yeah. It'll just come out, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden. It's, it's no deep idea. down in your, yeah. Deep down in your biology. Like, you know, when John Mayer comes on and you just start like dancing, <laughs> you know, you know, for like a white person. So I think. Gravity. <laughs> uh, obscured Chappelle show reference for you guys. But um, anyway, Charlie, big news. We talked about how Trump was teasing the world's biggest pardon. To ever pardon. This is a cliffhanger. Yeah, he said, and he tweeted this morning, massive pardon coming up. And, and he's, he's been teasing about it. So mm -hmm. we, everyone knew what was coming. And it was just absolutely amazing. But first, I want to talk about the Chappelle show. That was a fantastic show. I can't oh, believe it so only good. lasted two years. We had the we had it on tape, remember? Yeah. Um, it was, and it wasn't like the actual tape. We had recorded it on a VCR onto a tape and we would just watch I think pretty sure we just played the tape to where it wouldn't even work anymore. In case you guys didn't know, that's how you used to have to record TV shows. Yeah. You would get a blank VHS illegally. Tape. <laughs> yeah. Well it's it's not it's illegal know, as long as you didn't sell it. Yeah. But who knows how many copies we sold. How yeah. do you think we funded this show? <laughs> you used to get a blank what they called a VHS tape. A video is that video home system? Is that what it stands for? Couldn't tell you. Who cares? Something like that. And you put it in your VCR and, you know, your VCR was hooked to your TV and stuff. And it had a recording function and you could uh, hit record on your VCR and then play the show and it would record all of that. And then that's how you could fast forward through commercials, too, by the way. Yeah. Remember that? That was the first time people just, could fast forward through commercials. I know. I loved you just it. Just record your show. You, there were some VCRs that had a timer on them. <laughs> you could set the timer for seven o'clock to start recording your blank VHS tape. And it would record your show, and that was that was the original DVR. You just don't want to fast forward through that Samuel Jackson commercial, though. No. <laughs> you don't want to do that. All right. It's my beer. It's so good. <laughs> yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> okay. So good. This pardon. We've been teasing the pardon now. Who could be pardoned? Could it be one of the 500,000 people that are in prison for drug crimes? Could it be one of those people? Uh, that's option A. Could it be some type of immunity for Edward Snowden? Option B. Could it be some other person that I don't even know about? One of his friends that's in there right now, and I option, can't think of their name. Option C. 
who who could it be whose life is going to be changed from this massive presidential pardon who will no longer have to deal with the undue burden of having a criminal record or being imprisoned in any kind of way who is it charlie i want to say but i I feel like we should wait till the end because this is big. i mean i don't know you're going to read the article without (laughs) without doing that so big (laughs) i i want to talk about something else before we get to this because this news is so huge it is like you said it's life-changing do you actually not want to talk about it right now uh Tell me more about the Democratic Convention. That's what I'm really upset about. All right, fine. We'll play a video. <laughs> we'll play a video real quick from the DNC. I've just got a few minutes here, and we're going to cut in. The live group thinks they know who it is, but clearly you don't because you haven't listened yet. Because that would be a ridiculous pardon that would do no one any good whatsoever. And yeah. why would that happen? The guesses they're making, pff, you have no idea. All right, let's hear from Governor Andrew Cuomo, who definitely handled everything from the coronavirus properly and has no deaths on his hands whatsoever. So let's have him open this up. His hands are washed clean. Completely clean. Mm -hmm. Today, we trail the world in defeating COVID. We have over 5 million cases. Americans learned the critical lesson, how vulnerable we are when we are divided and how many lives can be lost when our government is incompetent. Americans' eyes have been opened. Yeah. You know, one of the best ways we learned how many lives could be lost when our government is incompetent? You know what maybe one of those is? It's maybe sending super sick people into places that are full of super sick people that are that are close to dying and have no immune system. Or soon send super sick people into the place where they're most vulnerable. Like the most vulnerable to- people of our society. <laughs> yes. Let's- Especially to a certain disease... That caters yeah. to the most vulnerable. So he's right. I mean, I assume that's what he, he's going to start talking about how, oh, and by the way, it's not 6,000 people that died in nursing homes. Actually, came out a few days ago that's actually 11,000 people that died. In New York alone? In New York that died in the nursing homes. Yeah. Yeah, mm. that's. I'm sure that's what he's about to talk about because he's talking about the incompetency of government and how we learned that people can die when that happens. So I, I think that's what he's going to talk Great. about. And we have seen in this crisis the truth that government matters and leadership matters. And it determines whether we thrive and grow or whether we live or die. Okay. <laughs> so that last quote that he had right there, in, infuriating on its head. Now is this- And a, also on its tail. <laughs> is he saying all government matters? No, only the ones that he controls and above. Mm. And- those only really matter when it's a specific president in office and specific political party. And mm. that's, he didn't, that was a disclaimer at the bottom that I read okay. it was on the screen. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, government matters, leadership matters. It determines whether we grow and thrive or we live or die. And now on its face, I mean, that's, kind of true if you have a massive tyrannical government that's putting up tons of roadblocks and destroying your healthcare system and putting sick people in the nursing homes with a highly transmissible disease and and all that I mean that the government does matter at that at that point in time when the government is actively doing things to harm the lives of other people but of course he's he's not really talking about it 
that I mean, what really matters is the government's got to get out there and run everyone's lives for them, because if they're not there to do that, then everyone's just going to die. Yeah, that's that's what we got to take. Well, you can clearly see how the free market health care system failed. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's it's astounding. There was a a piece by uh, Hannah Cox that we talked about not that long ago, and she was also on uh, recently on a TV show that talked about this, but that. What's hilarious is you guys, it's not hilarious. It's actually quite sad, but you guys saw how they had the ship there that had like a thousand beds and they made this makeshift hospital that had like a thousand beds and they saw a total of 92 patients. And now the the money, the figures are coming in. I think it's, it cost them at least $200 million, maybe even more to set up that hospital that saw 92 patients. Now, why was that? Well, the reason why is because all the sick people all the people getting sick, the government had special contracts with all the ambulance services. <laughs> so the ambulance couldn't take them to the makeshift hospital. They had to take them to the hospitals that were already overcrowded. Well, because the rules for ambulances that they have to take people to the nearest ER unit. Right. That's, that's the rule. Well, I mean, in, I know it is in Tennessee, at least from the inside information I have. By the way, genius HCA has what's called a hub and spoke hub and spoke uh, idea because a an ambulance has to take you to the closest ER. Their main their main hospital is Centennial Hospital, massive hospital in downtown Nashville. What they've done intentionally is put out ER units around town that are in in areas where they can get people to those hospitals and then they can transfer them in the Centennial. So they're all massive feeders for Centennial Hospital, mm-hmm. which. You could look at it and say, oh, that's disgusting. Or you could look at it and say, that's genius. It's really smart. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying they couldn't take people onto the ship. Right. Because they didn't right. have clearance, you know? Well, and it, and then I'm just pointing out again that it wasn't free market health care that was controlling anything. <laughs> it was, and, and honestly, he's right. I mean, government does matter. And the decisions government makes do matter. And it does affect lives. And Although it shouldn't. <clears throat> although, well, yeah, they should. <clears throat> what I'm saying. Yeah, they shouldn't have the power. Yeah. So, but the fact that they do have that power, the decisions that they make or the decisions that they don't make are the ones that do affect lives. And it's, but he's wrong. It's not about leadership. It's about government trying to centrally control something that can't be centrally controlled. You know, the, the, the federal government or even your larger state government has no idea what's going on in your local communities and, and how your local community can be affected by everything that's going on. I mean, there are spots in the United States still that have like no coronavirus outbreak. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, Mon- <clears throat> like Mon- South Dakota, like Montana. Yeah. <laughs> One of the places you were hanging out back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite places. Yeah. yeah it's uh, I was actually thinking about this this morning because I was just thinking in the shower as everyone does. Well, whether or not the government actually fumbled this, and I was reading this thing and it was talking about how we needed a national approach. And the problem was that all these other countries, well, they had a they had a unified approach for the whole country. And the problem with the U.S. is that we have all these states and all different states did different things and we weren't going to be able to contain it. And you still have a big problem when you talk about instituting something on a national scale or how we reacted to this. And the fact that the United States is so large and we do have all these different states and we have a lot of people. And so it's a really big country. We have different states and we have a lot of people. So when you compare it to 
a country that has 5 million people in it and is the size of one of our states, then you should compare whether or not one of our states was able to implement something like that. But you know, it would be a fair comparison. You compare the United States to the European Union. The whole, yeah, the whole thing, because it's roughly, it's around the same population if you compare the entire European Union. Yeah. Roughly the same land mass. Yeah. Roughly all those things. So how many deaths did the European Union have in all their socialist healthcare and all their socialist countries, or, or at least their their government-run healthcare and their government-run uh, countries versus the United States? How many cases and deaths did they have versus the United States? It'd be a good number to pull. I don't have it offhand right now. But It'd be less. I can yeah. tell you that much right now. So now we'll go to Governor Karen from uh, Michigan. And if you didn't know any better... This looks like a Saturday night, Saturday night Live sketch to me. You just look at it. Just take a look at that. When you look at it and you say, look at this, and you, and you look at it, you can see it looks like an SNL sketch. I've got it for you. What is it? They have 21.8 million cases with 773,000 deaths in That's, the European Union. It's more. What's the population of the whole European Union? Let me get that for you. All right. We'll listen to what Governor Karen had to say here for a minute while we're, while we're getting those numbers. Hello, America. I'm Governor Gretchen Whitmer, or as Donald Trump calls me, that woman from Michigan. Democracy is a team sport, especially now. Over the past few months, we've learned what's essential, rising to the challenge, not denying it. We've learned who is essential, too not just the wealthiest among us, not a president who fights his fellow Americans. Our camp... Okay, I basically wanted to play the thing from Gretchen Whitmer because, man, when you watch her talk, she looks like she could be a nice person, but I guarantee you she she will straight up murder you in your sleep. I'm just saying. that (laughs) She kind of looks robotic. She looks like she is the person, like the HOA president. You know, <laughs> she goes around checking to make sure people mow their yards. Yeah, she does look like a Karen. Yeah, I mean, so Karen, so Karen. Anyway, but that's the only point I had from that. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't have a solution for that guy. Sorry. Just something to distract yeah. from the impending pardon we're going to talk about here yeah. soon. It's really important and big. It's too big did to you, share. Did you find the population? I did. They have a hundred more. They have a hundred million more people than the United States. Four hundred and forty-six okay. million. So for you to do that on population size, you could say that their numbers just generally, you know, it's obviously not going to make complete statistical sense, should be about 30% higher uh, or so than the U.S.'s numbers, something like that, about 30% higher. And would you say their case count was in total and their death count? 21.8 million confirmed, 773,000 deaths. Is that true? Yeah, that's what it says right here. From COVID? This is, uh, yeah, this is right here on uh, Google. Oh, well, it's got to be true. Wait. We just fact-checked it. Sorry, that's it's saying worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought that was the number for the whole world, pretty much. I want to see the entire European Union. I think you're going to have to add that up by every country, more than likely. Mm. Yeah. All right, guys, scrap those numbers out of your heads. Don't repeat them in public. <laughs> All right, let's go to Bernie Sanders. That was a miscalculation. That was Charlie's fault, and he's sorry. One of our favorite people, Mr. B.S. himself. Pain ended several months ago, but our movement continues and is getting stronger every day. Many of the ideas we fought for, 
that just a few years ago were considered radical are now mainstream. But let us be clear, if Donald Trump is reelected, all the progress we have made will be in jeopardy. During this president... So the one thing I wanted to bring up from this is that he's... We've already talked about this, but this is kind of all going according to the plan. I, I don't really agree with one point that he's making, which is that if Donald Trump wins re-election, all the progress they've made uh, so far, which I'm assuming is shutting down the economy and throwing us into an economic collapse and getting people to riot in the streets until we have socialism. Progress. Uh, that, that kind of progress yeah. that's become mainstream. Um, those things... I don't feel like this progress, if Trump wins re-election, would just go away because it's in opposition to Trump, uh, allegedly, or pretty sure, be, that all these things are happening. I don't know that we would have the riots in the streets for socialism or that we would have actually had the economic lockdowns that we had or any of these problems if, if Trump were not the president. I, I'm not really sure. So I don't think that point really holds true. I think he'll make even more progress on civil unrest and rioting and murder if Trump goes ahead and wins re-election. So I wouldn't agree with that overall. Let's see what else he has to say. President's term, the unthinkable has become normal. He has tried to prevent people from voting, undermine the U.S. Postal Service, deployed the military. Now, Trump didn't really need to do anything to undermine the U.S. Postal Service. They've been doing that to themselves as long as they've existed right. so far. They don't need any help. They, they, they need no help to undermine themselves. They've been running at a loss for pretty much ever. And I don't know what he's doing to try and stop people from voting either. This is going to be one we talked about it yesterday. The USPS, this whole controversy, if Trump wins, this is going to be the, the Russia gate. It's going to be he's an illegitimate president because he was trying to keep people voting because he was holding back the mail-in balloting. And this whole idea made has made no sense the entire time. As we said, all you got to do is put a collection box at the precincts and have people go and drop off their ballots. And that's all you got to do. You don't even have to come up with all this amazing blockchain voting technology that Charlie invented a couple weeks ago. <laughs> you don't have to come up with that. You don't have to come up with the Chick-fil-A iPads like I was mentioning yesterday. Um, you just need to put a collection box at the precincts because everyone who wasn't already going to vote absentee was going to go to a precinct to vote. So they can still just drive there and they could still just vote. So you, this whole this whole crisis seems kind of manufactured, in my opinion, because we don't want to go with what the actual solution would be. And so we're sending ourselves into what I think is going to be a very real uh, voting crisis with everything that's going on with, with coronavirus and all that. But it didn't have to happen. And so now we've, I, I think that's generally the, that's generally 2020 overall, though. A bunch of things that happened that didn't have to happen. And federal agents against peaceful protesters threatened to delay the election and suggested that he will not leave office if he loses. This is not normal, and we must never treat it like it is. His actions fanned this pandemic, resulting in over 170,000 deaths and a nation still unprepared to protect its people. Now, 
what's weird to me is when the whole thing came out, remember how many people were going to die, Charlie? Like 2.2 million, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember we read it on the podcast uh, about how they were they were critiquing the White House's projections on how many people would die. The White House projected upwards of 250,000 people would die in 2020 from the coronavirus. And, of course, all of the news agencies were going crazy about how they were just putting out these crazy, rosy predictions, and it was actually going to be like a million or two million, something like that. And I saw all these line graphs of here's all the predictions of how many people are going to die, and here's the White House's prediction of how many people are going to die. And just look at them lying about how many people are probably going to die from coronavirus. And so now we get to this point where it's 165,000 people. Everyone at the very beginning of the pandemic was saying it was going to be over 2 million people. And now it's at 165,000. I feel like that's kind of a win. Just a little bit. Obviously, it's not a win because people die and we're against death. You guys know what I mean. But I feel like if you were someone who was saying that 2 million people were going to die back in February, that if right now in August there is 165 or 170,000 people dead, that you'd be like, okay, that I mean that's way less. This is a good thing. This is less than ten percent of the amount of people I was saying could die, and so wouldn't that be a good thing? And then, and then, if that were the idea that you had, couldn't you say like, well, what good, what good thing that did we do that stopped all these people from dying? But now the very fact that people died is is Trump's fault. Somehow. Even though you were saying that 2 million people are going to die. Yeah. But you see you see what the problem I'm having here with this right now? I'm projecting 2 million people <clears throat> are going to die. That's what we think. We're, I'm lowballing. Before the government really made any actions before, on coronavirus. Before anything happened, this could kill 2 million people. 138,000 people die. 170,000. 170,000. <clears throat> Trump's fault. Trump's fault that those people died. Yeah. Trump's fault we didn't get to two million if <laughs> like it would, we thought. If it wouldn't have been for Trump, no yeah. one would have died. By Even the way, though I just said two million people were going to die. <laughs> By the way, I got the European Union numbers for you. Okay. And this is this will be interesting comparison. This is an interesting conversation. Now, the European Union collectively is 28 countries. Um, they have about 100 million more people than the United States. <clears throat> about the same amount of land. It's, um, I can't remember, uh, 4,000 kilometers squared or something like that. Whatever it is, roughly the same land, roughly 100 million more people. So they are a little bit tighter together. But for the total of the 28 countries, they have about 2 million confirmed cases and 180,000 deaths. They have, the, they have the same amount of deaths as the United States. Now they do have 100 million more people, but yeah. they only have 2 million cases where in the United States were over 5 million. So the, the mortality rate of the people who actually contract the virus, confirmed contracted, it's a lot higher over there. Interesting. What could we have done different than I don't any know. other country? I don't know, because a whole bunch of socialist countries added up together, ended up with roughly the same amount of dead people. Same exact thing. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? Huh. I just found all the numbers. That's, How about that? It's really cool. All right, let's see what else he had to say here. But somehow, hmm. If it, you know, if Biden would have been president, it would have been different. Of course. Would have been so different. Together, we must build a nation that is more equitable, more compassionate, and more inclusive. As George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, 
and a never-ending list of innocent people of color continue to be murdered, stating the simple fact that a black life matters mm. is still met with derision from the nation's highest office. Okay, so... So we put up Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for you. <laughs> <laughs> Did they talk about any of their record on criminal justice not before? Bet not. <laughs> Last night? I didn't see any clips from that. Now, this was... We'll also talk about what Bernie Sanders just said. He said two important words there. Equitable and compassionate. And, see, they throw out these, like, words that nobody can be against. Like, don't you want people to be equal, Nate? Don't you want equality for all? No. I want equality of opportunity for all. So you do want equality for all of opportunity. <laughs> you do want I don't people, want equity. You want everyone to have an equitable shot. Th those aren't the right words. You want everyone to have an equal chance to seek opportunity. I want everyone to have the equal opportunity to seek that opportunity. There you go. Is what I want. <laughs> right. So it sounds good. Right. Yeah. And then <clears throat> compassion, of course. You got to be compassionate, you know, compassion is what drives everything. It's, it's the compassion. Now, I, Jordan Peterson to me does the best. Uh, it's not a skit, but he explains compassion. Yeah, it's not, it's a, not skit. a skit. He explains compassion the best. And he said, he puts it in these words. It's a mother bears compassion that'll get you eaten. Right? Because when you're compassionate for someone, when you love someone, so to speak, if you believe anyone is out to do that person harm, well, then they become a um, uh, they become a cancer that you have to get rid of. Mm -hmm. I ran said this. Yeah, they become a parasite. They become something that you that is harming the thing that you love, the thing that you're compassionate for. If they're harming those people, and then you truly believe that, well, out of compassion, you're going to act in aggression. Now. How was that compassionate? I always said, I said the other day, well, I can't remember what we were talking about, but it's like, uh, you know, somebody was telling me kind, like kindness is a virtue. And I'm like, how can it be? I think you should be kind to people, but I guarantee you, if somebody breaks into your house, you're not going to be kind to that person who broke into your house. He broke into your house. I, I say he, cause it's usually he, there are women who break into houses too, but mainly men. <laughs> so I can say he and get away with it because crime is sexist. It is. Yeah. Mostly men in prison. Yeah. Sexism, so, right? Right. Because I think when a, a certain portion of the population represents some type of specific outcome, then it's due to some type of ism in that society, yeah. right? So What I'm meaning is you can't build a society around kindness and compassion and, and all of these fluffy, lovely words that they like to use because when real life situations matter, that type of behavior will not sustain you it I, won't it won't it, it's not befitting of survival i think you obviously can have compassion the problem is when you do things like what bernie sanders does and people on the right do too and you 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 compassion e by force you equate well the problem is so let's say that your compassion for your son if someone did something to your son your compassion for your son would lead you to act with force against that person more than likely. Mm -hmm. And so your compassion for Parker would lead you to act violently towards that person. And I wouldn't say that that's a bad form of compassion. I mean, the person probably 
deserved it. It's the compassion for your own life that you would act in self-defense, and it's the compassion for others that you would have, and which is really still just self-interest. But anyway, we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> it's the compassion that you would have that would lead you to act that way. And so when you're someone like Bernie Sanders, and I'll just use him specifically, and you, you equate wealth with murder, and you say that your, your life is bad because of Jeff Bezos, or your life is bad because the wealthy have taken all the money in some kind of way. And the only reason you've had, you're in the situation. Because you've is, exploited the workers. Because you've been exploited. Well, then, in that point, your compassion for other people is going to lead you to act violently in the streets, as we're seeing right now, all over the country. And so that's where compassion can still lead you. If it leads you to be mostly peaceful. If, yeah. If it's misdirected and it's and it's based on a lie, well, just say it's based on a bad principle. You you really shouldn't have compassion. You should have principle, and you should have a belief in the individual and individual rights. And if you just have a belief that all people own themselves and a belief in individual rights, then you'll have compassion when compassion is necessary, when someone's individual rights are being taken away from them by force. And you won't have the compassion at times when, when people, sure, they have a bad go of it, but no one has physically taken that from them in any kind of way. Then your compassion won't lead you to act violently. It's when you put this lie in people's heads that compassion and kindness lead to violence. They lead to a violent group of people because you're just trying to help people. Therefore, you need to eat the rich, you know? So... So, so that's a that's the problem with compassion. Compassion is when it's based on when when your principles are based on a lie, or they're misdirected, misguided, then your compassion can be very violent. That's 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 really all I have to say about that. Well, how did the rich used to get rich, Nate? Back way, way, way back in the day. I'm talking like way back in the day. Uh, through force, they would they rape would, and pillage and murder. Exactly, that's exactly they what they would that's do. That's how you got rich. Yeah, you would conquer, you would take over new lands, you would expand the empire. Everyone, by the way, Native American tribes would get rich by forcefully taking land from other Native American yes. tribes. And same anywhere else. Yeah, right. We've we've read about the great conquerors. We've read about the great civil. I say the great, the, the, <laughs> the massive civilization, civilizations, Rome and all the ones that kept expanding and they got richer because they took over other places that had gold and silver and other valuable commodities, land, farming land for food and all kinds of things. Um, and something changed. Like, so you tell me, did Bezos get rich because he conquered some country? No. Did he rape and pillage? Something, something somewhere. No. That's how he got all of his wealth. He sent a dick pic one time. <laughs> he did do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sh surprised we haven't seen Jeff's Bezos yet. <laughs> you guys have heard me before. Anytime you say possessive first name and then the last name, it sounds like you're talking about their private parts. Yeah. You guys ever seen Charlie's Thompson? <laughs> See, you just do it all the time. Yeah. What about Nate's? Thurston. It doesn't work as well, does it? You ever seen Nathaniel's Paul? <laughs> that works. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he got rich because he provided a valuable service. I, I watched a TikTok the other day where this guy was like, he was talking about how much he loves Amazon. He's like, you know, Amazon's so great and their services are so great. And I love using, using them. I just, I wish they would treat their workers better. Cause he was like, 
And he started out talking about how uh, Jeff Bezos cashed out $3 billion of his Amazon stock, stock. So now he's got $3 billion in cash. And he was like, Jeff Bezos with $3 billion in cash, he could spend $40,000 a day, and that would last him 205 years. And he's like, the Amazon worker barely makes $40,000 in a whole year. I just wish... I love Amazon and their services. I just wish they would treat their workers better. It's like you you're not you don't understand. Where were you when Bezos was stuffing boxes at two o'clock in the morning when Amazon was written on a cardboard? Wasn't it written on cardboard? Spray painted. Spray painted. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon LLC. Are they an LLC? I think they are. Anyway. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, of course everyone wants to cash in on the riches when they're there, but um, they no one has their eye on the long term ball there. The the socials and we're seeing the result of that by the way right now, where you have all these state governments and local governments that are just out of money. They don't have any money, and luckily, broke. Luckily, in the capitalist system, a lot of people are incentivized to store their wealth, to store their capital for when bad times happen. And those people can make it through really bad times because they look into the future. And governments don't do that. Socialism doesn't do that. It takes anything that exists right now and it spreads it out. Venezuela didn't do that. It took whatever was there right then and they spread it out. And then when bad times happen, when, say, the price of oil drops to negative $30 a barrel, <laughs> then, <laughs> then, uh, you're, then you're not going to be able to make any money and you didn't store up any capital, so you can't keep going. Same thing goes with all the states, with all these places. When they did make money, freaking Nashville is dealing with it right now. Nashville's gone through a massive economic boom. And what did they do? They just spent all of it and a whole lot more. And now they're going to go through a, a pretty bad time, I think, because they, they don't have anything. Now they just got a bunch of payments that they can't pay. And so they're raising taxes. The, the increased it by 34%, their property taxes. And they've probably lost at least 50% of their tourist revenue yeah maybe more oh more than that not only that yeah. because they've shut everything down mm -hmm. so they're not getting the tax Way revenue more than from that. the bars and all the places that they've shut down the the uh, hockey games have been shut down yep. the the football stadium is going to be mostly mostly shut down and somewhat peaceful and uh it's yeah they're going to lose all kinds of revenue and they weren't being they weren't getting ready for it they said oh this money's here we need to spend all of it that's what we got to do is spend all of it. And then when the bad times happen, you don't have anything. And that's what people think when they look at Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos just cashed out $3 billion, And people want to look at whatever money Jeff Bezos has in the bank and say, well, if they just would divide out all the money that they make, then all the workers would have everything. What would the workers have when things go really, really poorly and Amazon's losing money and they have to cut back all their workers and they eventually end up going out of business? Things like this can happen, by the way. Amazon could... I don't think they're going to, but Amazon could go out of business someday. It's possible. People were talking about Walmart going out of business four or five years ago. It's very possible. We talked about the largest grocery store chain going out of business. People in your in your generation, you never think that the biggest company could go out of business. But 100 years from now, people might have no idea what Amazon is whatsoever. And so what would all those workers be doing when the company doesn't store up all their wealth and their capital and then something really bad happens and they end up having to go out of business. They end up having to file bankruptcy. Well, now they just get a government loan. Yeah. Just get bailed and out by the government. they just do that. Yeah. yeah we, could have saw, we could have seen a lot more Fortune 500 companies lose uh, their entire business in 2008. And recently during this pandemic, had it not been for cronyism, that's what yeah. I call it. Um, and in a free market system, uh, those things would have happened. Now, granted, we wouldn't have had the, the boom and bust cycles that we've seen either. 
by the way. But the reason why some of these companies made the decisions that they made, especially during the housing crisis in 2008, was because they had the back. They knew that they would get bailed out by the government. So why not do it? So why not do it? Yeah. Make all the profits you can squander it, piss it away because you're just going to get bailed out. So why not take all the risk you possibly can? People in government do it. They know it'll get bailed out by the taxpayers all the yeah. time. They get to forcefully take money. So they spend more than they have all the time. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what they do. Todd made a good point here. This is something Margaret, Margaret Thatcher always said. Uh, he said socialism makes everyone, uh, except in government, equally poor. Mm. She also said you'd rather the poor be poorer as long as the rich were less rich. Yeah. Provided the rich were less rich. Right. Meaning that you, it's not meaning what she meant by that is that it's not about actually wanting to help poor people. It's about the hate, the hatred for the rich. That's what it's about. And this is a, this is like the human, all of human history. There's been an, an envy and a hatred of those who have more than you do because my God, if anybody in the United States compares themselves to pretty much anyone around the world, you're richer than they are. Mm -hmm. But if you compare yourself to the circle that you're in, well, then you're just the lowly poor. You know, anyone, anyone making, what was it? 30, I think it's $32,000 a year or more, uh, which by the way, almost everyone in Amazon makes you're in the top 1% worldwide, worldwide prestige. Yeah. So let's go to the drums. Let's go to Michelle Obama, who hates politics. And let's continue to listen to her talk about politics, but she hates it. Because whenever we look to this White House for some leadership or consolation or any semblance of steadiness, what we get instead is chaos, division, and a total and utter lack of empathy. Over the past four years, a lot of people have asked me, when others are going so low, does going high still really work? My answer, going high is the only thing that works. Because when we go low, when we use those same tactics of degrading and dehumanizing others, we just become part of the ugly noise that's drowning out everything else. So if we have... As if isn't that what the Democrats have been doing? It's what everyone in politics does this whole time. Yes, that is their job is to go low <laughs> all the time. I've been trying to look up the proper term for what the Democratic Party is pulling off right now. I see you're low, and I lower low. <laughs> I, I raise lo you a low. I I lower your lowness. Is it still gaslighting guys in the live group? It takes someone like Andrew Cuomo, for example. Um probably has the deaths of thousands of people on his hands specifically because of decisions that he made and then is out there talking about how the government is incompetent and Trump has caused thousands of people to die. And this is what happens when we have incompetent leadership and New York is the one who got it right and everything. It, what is it when you do something absolutely terrible and you make a huge blunder and something terrible happens and it was an obvious mistake and then you act like it never happened, and then you just point at other people, and then you eventually blame it on them. What, what is that? Is, is it gaslighting? Okay. It's gaslighting. I didn't know if there was another term for that, for is, that. Yeah, that is a very nice manip manip manipulation tactic by narcissists, Yeah. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they do. That's like, that's just what they do. 
I, I don't think I've ever seen more gaslighting and more obvious and more successful gaslighting than what's been going on in 2020. And we everyone saw this coming when the lockdown was first taking place. We could, we could go back and find it in the archives. But we said, come come election time, all this all this economic turmoil is going to be blamed on Trump. The people who are unemployed are going to be blamed on Trump. Obviously, that's that's obviously what's going to happen. Did he want to lock down the whole country? Was he not trying to get trying to block states from locking down their economies? But you can still turn and say, well, all the people who are unemployed and people who are in bad economic situations, well, that's Trump's fault. Starts at the top. You know, and then the Republicans, listen, we're, we try to be equal opportunity uh, destroyers here. The Republicans <laughs> do all kinds of terrible things, but they did put up a bill, terrible bill, but they did at least put up a bill that people could vote on. And of course, the Democrats didn't go with it because it's more politically feasible for people to suffer up until the election so they can continue to blame it on Trump. They don't want another, the Democrats don't want another economic stimulus for people. They don't want people to be getting government checks before the election. No way. There's no way they want that to happen. And so I've never really seen this. I've never seen this pulled off to such an extent. The propaganda, the gaslighting is is at a whole level that I've never witnessed personally. I don't know if you have. Let's see what else she had to say. And then we have a ridiculous comment from this girl who lost her father. And coming up, that pardon you guys have all been waiting yeah. for. <laughs> have any hope of ending this chaos? We have got to vote for Joe Biden like our lives depend on it. Hey, NBC News viewers. Uh, thanks on. for checking out I'm our go on YouTube to the next video here. So- like Kristen Orkiza, who lost her father to the coronavirus and blames the president. My dad was a healthy 65-year-old. His only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump. And for that, he paid with his life. Jeez. (laughs) I got to play that one more time because listen, lady, I'm sorry that your dad died. Okay. I'm real sorry. That's terrible. But this is just ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. Kristen Orkiza, who lost her father to the coronavirus and blames the president. My dad was a healthy 65-year-old. His only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump, and for that, he paid with his life. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm not laughing at the guy's death because I'm against death. I said, I don't know how many times I have to say it, but I feel like I just need to throw it out there that this entire community that we have here, the Good Morning Liberty community is what I'm going to call it. All right. We're all anti-death. That's a requirement before you're allowed in. (laughs) You have to be against death. I should put that as a question on the group, actually. Are you you against death? Are you against death? Yes or no? (laughs) Sign here. And uh, so I'm not laughing at the guy's death. I'm just laughing at his daughter's excuse. It's insane. Like his only pre-existing condition was that he trusted Trump. And then that they would put that on the nightly news. Like, did only people who trust Trump die? Like, did anyone else who doesn't? Did any Democrats die from coronavirus? (laughs) Because they didn't trust Trump, apparently. Trusting Donald Trump is one of the most dangerous pre-existing conditions if you come down with coronavirus. Yeah. So what am I missing here? His only pre-existing condition, or or, sorry, he was a healthy 65-year-old. He's 65. That was his pre-existing condition. And look, I'm I'm not one to speak because I'm needing to lose some weight, but he didn't look like he was in shape. No. 
I'm sorry. Looks like his karate artery might have been a little bit clogged. It might have been. And I don't yeah. know his health record. Obviously, he could have been perfectly healthy. Maybe his doctor said you are the perfect weight for your size. I'm just based on appearances. Didn't look like he was, may have been the healthiest version of himself. Yeah. You know, didn't look like he was 25 and and strapped. All right. But but that's how far we've come. Like you can literally put this on on national TV and say, here's a pre-existing condition. And this is why my dad died because he trusted Donald Trump. And then Michelle Obama saying our lives depend on voting Joe Biden. Yeah. Our lives depend on it. Not not the lives of thousands of people who are in prison, by the way. Their lives didn't depend on voting for Joe Biden whatsoever because they're stuck in prison right now. Mm -hmm. They might die in prison. Kamala Harris, you know how many people she's killed <laughs> and the people she put in prison. Right. <laughs> I think her most disgusting disdain is blocking evidence that actually freed people. Yeah. Like petitioning the court to not allow the evidence that shows someone was actually innocent of a crime. I mean, how, how disgusting is that? She's a prosecutor's prosecutor. Ugh. It's like we said. Like that lady from, uh, have you guys ever watched the show Cold Case? That uh, blonde-haired lady that was uh, did some famous court cases. Um, real famous prosecutor. She ended up getting in big trouble because uh, a couple cases they found that she was holding back exculpatory evidence. And I read a bunch of stuff about Cold Case, that she show, because I, I enjoyed it. I don't know. I can't remember her name. Is it Nancy? Um, no, it's not Nancy Grace. Oh, I can't no. stand that girl. Um, no, the this... Uh, on the he did it. I know he did it. He did it. He's a man and he did it. This is a tune in next time for he did it. <laughs> uh, anyway, we haven't done who done it in a while. So <laughs> we haven't. So anyway, that, uh, let's talk a little bit about this here. Pardon real quick. What's going on, Charlie? Who is it? The moment I'm, I'm dying to know you have all been waiting for. Now, yesterday, we kind of gave you a little bit of insight to Trump talking about Potentially pardoning, pardoning someone. Uh, he said he's never met that person, but he hears it from both sides. He's you know heard the good and the bad. And so today he uh, took to Twitter to say he's got a really big pardon coming up. And then he finally announced it. So now breaking news here. Trump to pardon Susan B. Anthony on God. 100th anniversary of women's right to vote. So there you go. He won. He won the woman vote. He won it. There you go. That's what they were waiting for. This is the episode of who won it <laughs> <laughs> and he won it. So uh, this is what you all have been waiting for. I know this. I left you on a big cliffhanger and um, finally you can sit back and relax now. As you know, that uh, President Trump pardoned a, a dead person. Now, look, maybe this person shouldn't have had a criminal record. She definitely shouldn't have. She definitely no. shouldn't have. Yeah. And so from the grave, he sends his pardon. I don't think it's holding her back in any kind of way though. No, no. Like, I'm just saying there's over 2 million people in prison right now in the U S 500,000 of them are in, are in prison for drugs, nonviolent non in some kind of way, drug offenses. That's a 500,000 for drugs. And there's a lot of other nonviolent crimes that people get put in prison for too. Um, there's a lot of people that you could exercise your pardoning power. Man, I hope if Trump does lose, I hope he wears that thing out, man, <laughs> yeah. before he gets out of office. We need a moment of silence because Sam from the live group is overcome with emotion. I mean, I've been waiting for this day forever, ever since I read about her. Mm -hmm. I, I've just been waiting this whole time. This from the Federalist. President Donald Trump announced he would be issuing a White House pardon 
for legendary women's rights activist Susan B. Anthony on Tuesday, commemorating the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment that guaranteed women the right to vote. Anthony was arrested in 1872 and found guilty by an all-male jury for illegal voting in that year's presidential election, nearly a half century before women were granted the nationwide constitutional right they enjoy today. Trump previewed the pardon Monday, telling reporters on Air Force One he would be pardoning someone very, very important. The tease sparked a flurry of speculation over who it might be, though the president offered no details other than that, other than it would not be former NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden or former White House National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Anthony's pardon nearly 150 years after her arrest on the centennial of women's nationwide suffrage comes as Trump makes an effort to narrow a gender gap with former vice presidential vice president Joe Biden less than 80 days away from the November election, where 62 percent of female voters reported they were unlikely to support Trump for a second term in June. So pardon the woman who was arrested for voting when she shouldn't have been. Ugh, great. That's just great. I'm so excited. Now, who came up with this? I don't know. I don't know, ma'am. I'm not saying she shouldn't have been pardoned. No, I mean, that's fine. I think fine. that's fine. I'm not arguing against that. Should have been her and like 500,000 other people. I just I just don't understand these pure political moves and how most people can't see. I guarantee you if I haven't been on Facebook yet today. But if I go on Facebook, all of the Trump supporters out there will be like Trump loves women. Look what he's doing. No president before has ever pardoned Susan B. Anthony. Well, of course they haven't. <laughs> he's the first one. Barack Obama didn't pardon Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> it's like, what did he, what did he actually do? Nothing. Uh, nothing. Nothing. And what's crazy to me is it's like. It's a pure political move. That's and, all it is. And it's an obvious political move that no one's going to care about at all. Yeah. Because everyone knows it's blatantly political. Right. It, so it, it's except just, Sam, he's overcome with emotion. Well, yeah, yeah, and, but Sam's uh, vote was already locked in anyway. Yeah, so I'm, I'm having to dry my eyes here. Out, it's crying. It's, yeah, oh, these are happy tears. Happy tears. Yeah. That's good. So we've got what time is it right now? Uh, let's go through this reason article that's at the end of the show notes here. So Reason did a good article about teachers calling the cops on parents whose kids are not showing up to their Zoom classes. <laughs> This is insane. We have a couple other really good articles in here, but it's uh, we're already so far into the show. Uh, we'll we'll have to push it back because this it's an it's an evergreen topic anyway. We can talk about it anytime. So, from reason, when teachers call the cops on parents whose kids skip their Zoom classes, if there's one thing the public school system shouldn't be doing right now, it's making life even more hellishly difficult for parents. And yet many teachers in the state of Massachusetts are contacting the authorities to report parents for suspected child abuse when kids fail to show up for their Zoom classes. Quote, Jesus. Massachusetts school officials have reported dozens of families to state social workers for possible neglect charges because of issues related to their children's participation in remote learning classes during the pandemic shutdown in the spring. Now this coming at the same time when other teachers in other parts of the country are refusing to go to work so contrast the idea that in one part of the country you could be uh, potentially prosecuted for child abuse for not making your kid attend school and in the other part of the country the teachers themselves can forcefully make sure that your kid doesn't go to school and your kid never goes to school 
and everything's totally fine. Just totally fine. So those kids there, those parents aren't neglectful because the government hasn't decided to school their children. So therefore, you're not a neglectful parent. But if the government does decide to school your children and you don't force them to to attend the Zoom class, you are guilty of child abuse. It's crazy. Good Lord. Okay, so they they say this infuriating article, article is worth reading in full. So I'll do it. The Globe spoke with several parents who have received calls and visits from the State Department of Children and Families. The department has the power to remove children from their homes and place them in foster care if agents suspect that kids are being mistreated, abused, or neglected. And DCF considers distance learning no-shows to be possible abuse cases. Wow. DCF lists numerous circumstances in which teachers should feel obligated and obliged to call the cops, among them appearing tired or hungry during Zoom sessions. <laughs> appearing tired or hungry. I feel like I have, I appear tired and hungry right now. I am tired and hungry. I haven't had a bite to eat all day. I'm tired. The people in the live group better call this, some kind of social services because Charlie is abusing me. <laughs> over here yeah. now listen child abuse is not funny it's and not. we don't support it whatsoever i'm not in favor of just it. like i'm against death i'm against child abuse yes working parents have no choice but to leave their children in the care of a sibling or let them fend for themselves will be particularly vulnerable to unfounded child services investigations this isn't a theoretical concern consider the case of m quills who struggled to work her full-time job while overseeing her son's schooling. During remote class, her seven-year-old was largely supervised by his teenage brother, who had his own schoolwork to do. Quill said she told staff at Heard Street Discovery Academy in Worcester in the spring that her work schedule made it tough to assist with virtual schooling, and she struggled to navigate the school's online platforms, because it probably works about the same as the DMV's website. Yes. They didn't offer any help, she said. Then in June, Quills was stunned to receive a call from the state's Department of Children and Families. The school had accused Quills of neglect, she was told, because the seven-year-old missed class and homework assignments. Mm. Another mother, a Spanish-speaking immigrant, requested a virtual meeting with a school counselor to discuss her son's behavioral difficulties, which have worsened during the pandemic-induced isolation. A few days after she spoke with the counselor, DCF called the mom. Someone at the school, possibly the counselor, had accused the mom of general neglect based on behaviors observed or disclosed during remote learning. The agency spent weeks investigating the matter, interrogating the mother and her son on everything from the contents of her refrigerator to her son's sleeping location. The allegation was eventually dismissed. A third parent, Christy Broder, Browder, a single mother of four kids, faced frequent threats from teachers that DCF would intervene if the children didn't improve their virtual attendance. Once, when her 10-year-old daughter was tuned into Zoom class, Browder's autistic six-year-old son left naked in front of the screen. Predictably, the school called the cops. Later that day, Browder received a call from DCF. The social worker informed her that the school staff had reported a naked adult male exposing himself on the computer. A six-year-old. A six-year-old. Browder explained that she lives alone with her four young children and that the nude male was only six. She was relieved when the social worker told her the case wouldn't go anywhere. The school district, however, was ready to drop, wasn't ready to drop the issue. The head of Haverhill's special education department told Browder that afternoon they had contacted the city police department due to severity of the allegations, according to Browder. A plainclothes officer came to her home that evening. That case, too, was eventually dropped. 
Massachusetts DCF is not radically different from the child services departments in other 49 states, and similar issues are probably cropping up elsewhere. The harm is likely to be worse for poor families, though economic security is by no means a guarantee of safety from predatory child services investigations. The decision to rely partly or entirely on virtual learning has created a horrible situation for many working parents who depend on school for daycare. Public school officials should be treating such families with empathy and patience, not putting the authorities on speed dial. You know, you would assume that since this is coming from the government that they would be treated with the utmost amount of empathy and patience and compassion. Compassion. You know, they'd be very compassionate. But no, they'll, they'll sick the services on you immediately. You get one naked kid on camera, and here comes DCF. <laughs> Can you be naked in your own house? Yeah. Rob says, to play devil's advocate, I've heard of some cases where kids are only able to escape abusive homes after their teacher noticed bruises in class. However, calling the cops on no-shows to online class is pretty stupid. Yeah, there are cases where you um, you know teachers know their, their students pretty well. And they can tell when something's off. And I have no problem with teachers reporting parents who are actually abusive. But to not take the totality of circumstances under consideration and for, you know, the state to do nothing else than what it does, which is to state and (laughs) to send their, you know, their armed forces out to investigate every missed Zoom class is frankly a waste of money. And then also, like, not taking into consideration that there might possibly be other reasons why the students are missing class, not because of abusive, not because of uh, abuses. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe if you're watching a Zoom class and the dad hits the, the kid over the head with a Jack Daniels bottle or something like that, well, you call the cops on that person. You clearly saw an abusive action, right? Do you think there's any room for because schools have truancy officers a lot of them do although i don't know how effective they are especially in like inner city schools and things like that uh schools have truancy officers so if you don't send your kids to school and your kids just never go to school well you eventually do get in trouble in the same way so it's acting along the same lines as a truancy officer basically now parker is going to get you're going to get sent to jail because your internet's never going to be able to handle online school. <laughs> There's no possible way. Um, that it does not like Zoom. There's Especially no if he's way. doing a mock interview. Yeah, for sure. If he's trying to talk to someone on Zoom, mm-mm, not going to work. Yeah, at all. But so, do you think that there is a room for? It's an interesting libertarian conversation to me because, in one light, you're saying, well, the parents have the responsibility, or they're not physically harming their kids, and what if they're homeschooling their kids or something like that and they're just not going to the public school so in that light i'd be like well nothing bad is happening what if these kids could be learning more and they just missed their zoom classes because they were knee deep in a in a book their mom was making them read i don't know that's not what happened but you know you know what i mean you know the thing Mm -hmm. so i can't believe they came down hard on this immigrant i know man that's weird they came down hard in spanish yeah So do you think that there's a room for the government to do this truancy type thing with kids in general, not going to school? What do you guys in the live group think about that? I think it's, I think it's an interesting question. Does the government have a responsibility in that? Milton Friedman responded with the government doesn't have responsibility. People have responsibilities. And so I just, I I hear him in my head right now responding to me. 
But do you think that there is a responsibility in that because children are minors and not able to take care of themselves? And so people have to make sure that they receive an education because the kid's not going to decide to receive an education on their own. You know, it's something parents have to do. So do you think there is purview for the government to take care of that? No. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. No. Me either. I, I, I don't. I agree with the the idea, but I think that we got to get to a private schooling system and there'll be other ways of working this out. But I just think it's an interesting concept. Like, so you could just raise your kids for 18 years and never send them to school and they never learn how to read good or anything like that. Or speak good. And when they're 18, they're just your typical liberal Democrat. (laughs) 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 Um, Socialist, sorry. Uh, When they're 18, they're just someone who doesn't know how to read and they don't know anything about math or anything like that. Well, hell, half the kids graduating high school don't know how to read anyway. That's exactly what I was about to say. What's the point? You jumped my next move on me already. (laughs) Because I'm good at chess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is the other thing where it reminds me of Shawshank Redemption where he says chess. Now that's a game of Kings and Milton Freeman, uh, not Milton, Milton Freeman, Freeman, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman goes <laughs> and a total can mystery. <laughs> mystery. Uh, um, so that is the response. That's you are, you came in with the proper response to that is if a, if a parent can be prosecuted for child abuse because they didn't send their kid to school and therefore the kid didn't learn anything, then who prosecutes the government for having a terrible school system in which people go to school for 18 years or until they're 18 and they still don't learn anything? Does anyone prosecute that? Is the government guilty of child abuse? They graduate while still failing. And they still can't read good. You know, most parents want their kids to be educated. Yeah. I mean, it's like people... Most people will gravitate to what's going to be the most success in life. And that's typically what they do. I mean, you want, even, even when education was made illegal for people, certain people, they still fought to learn things, but at the same time, the government shouldn't force anyone to do anything that they don't want to do. Yeah. You know, if I'm a parent and I don't want to send my kid to school because I want him to do something else or show him other things and let him decide what he wants to do. Well, then that's my right. Let's assume video interrupted. Oh, really came back. Let's assume that the parent doesn't care whether or not their child ever learns anything because they're just, they're just uh, laying on the couch on heroin all day and the kid never goes to school whatsoever. Is there a point where not educating your child as a parent is a form of neglect? And if so, who enforces that? I don't just, know. just asking. You know me. I got to come in with the state with the, the status questions every once in a while. The church. The church. What if you're not religious? Well, no religion too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could imagine. I just think it. I want to make the. I want to make the point that it's not as easy as us libertarians like to make it. Because in that situation, it's difficult for you to say that you would not be guilty of some form of neglect if you were laying on the couch on heroin and you never sent your kid to school and your child was never educated. Are you guilty of some type of neglect against another human being? And if someone, well, if that is the truth, but that's easier though, because you're, you're laying on the couch overdosing on heroin. Yeah. 
So, so, but what I, what I'm saying is, let's uh, let's say that that is the case. Let's say it's the case. Is that does the child have any rights that need to be protected by someone who isn't the parent because the parent doesn't care? Yeah, of course. And how? Who's going to enforce that? Well, that's why governments are instituted among <laughs> men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I, I just, I think it's important for us to always talk through these types of conversations because as libertarians, we like to make big grand statements about how we need to not have truancy for schools, but at the same time, it's difficult to say that that parent wouldn't be guilty of neglect and who enforces that. Wouldn't it be some type of a truancy officer for the school is, is all I'm saying. To, to see if the kids go into school. But even the kids or not child going, protective I mean, services. Even the kids not going to school, shouldn't someone step in to help that child out that has a you know abusive parents? Who is that? I don't know. How this, do you know? This is why I, I this is why I'm not a complete anarchist. Yeah. Because I do think some form of government needs to be around to to for things like this. So <laughs> so now if we've gotten to the point where potentially the idea of truancy for schools or making sure that you are educating your child in some type of way is a potential thing that the government might have purview over, then I don't, I don't agree with what's going on in this article, but I am just trying to present the other side. Then if the school system has switched to Zoom only, is that the same thing as not having your kid go to school? And so, therefore, would you be guilty of the same type of thing? Well, what if thing? you don't have internet? I know. I know. I don't agree. Don't make me actually argue the whole point. <laughs> Status Nate. I'm trying to have the conversation. Just like Marie said, here we go. I'm trying to have the conversation we so we go. can do a better job explaining our points. <laughs> what is the solution for this in our in our libertarian world is what I'm trying to get to. Our video is really interrupted now, and it's it's been interrupted for a while. Uh, I just went down. This, that's why he said, "Here we go." No, he said, "Here we go" because of status name. No, no, he showing said the true the colors. No, <laughs> these colors don't run. No, look, I I um, Rob says I think this kind of conversation is a good answer to Nate's question from the other morning. It both helps libertarians think through these questions better and shows people on the fence that we understand things aren't as clear cut as we want them to be. It's something things aren't black and white. Yeah. You know, this is why we go back to the reasonableness standard, which is what I think. Is it reasonable for parents to shoot up heroin every single day and not take care of their kids? Is that something a reasonable person would do? Yeah. Well, the answer to that's no, but that is something you would only know after you conducted an investigation. <laughs> true you know what i mean well again this is why i say i'm not completely anarchist yeah. because i don't know how you solve that problem without some form of a third party entity yeah. which would be a government anyway you regardless of what we want to call it regardless of They'd what name you put on it they would some have kind of some way. sort of authority yeah. just like your hoa your hoa is not a government but they have an authority yeah. so it is a government technically it's a state it's a third party that has authority and the use of force to make you comply yeah. So anyway, guys, if you have any thoughts on that, if you have the libertarian answer for that, whatever we missed, that's kind of an impromptu conversation because I started to feel the, the, uh, the dilemma, the, the, the weight of the wall on your shoulders, the free to choose dilemma <laughs> popping up in my head 
where there could be some contradictions in here somewhere. And I just think it's always good to have these conversations. We did a video uh, on our on our uh, Patreon page yesterday where I was talking about how I was basically asking the question, are we doing a good job as a podcast? Because one small critique I received that was still positive, I said, I need a critique. It wasn't like freely given, I think you should change this. It was that we we can... The critique was, Charlie, did you watch the video? I didn't watch your video, no. The critique, I saw some comments. The critique there. was that we we do the podcast like we're talking to the people that are in the live group. Meaning that over the course of the last few months, our the way that we approach situations has turned into an assumption that everyone is already on the same page that we are. And and so I th- I thought that that was a good critique because I, I can see that also. So I want to make sure that when we're having these conversations, we discuss what the other options are and that we realize that we could be talking to people that are on the fence and that aren't just in the same boat that, that everyone else is or aren't on the same part of their liberty journey. And everyone else should think about that when they're talking to people. Imagine you're talking to yourself before you became a libertarian what needed to be said to get you to these points? Was it just bashing you over the head with witty sarcasm and, and, and whatever on these points, because obviously you're wrong, or was it trying to make the argument for why there's a better way to do things? So that's something I think we should all do better. That's why I wanted to go into this conversation because I think it needs to be had. So anyway, guys had another long day of trading today. If you're interested in learning how to day trade, you go to mastermystonks.com. You can go and watch our live pre-market analysis half an hour before the market opens every single day. You can also go into the group and see our scanners streaming live all day. So you can see the things that we're watching all day. And then we continue to trade and stream live throughout the day while we are trading. So you can go to mastermystonks.com or mastermytrades.com and get going today. There are new opportunities every single day in the market. We keep telling you guys, Yet again today, had another stonk that was up 100%, 150%. Well, I don't remember 300%. how much it was. Was it 300%? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, it, it was up that much. So there are new opportunities every single day. Just because you saw that something big popped last week or that the market might turn around sometime, we're not trading the S&P 500. We're trading these companies that get some good news, that get some large cash injections, some large investors, and they typically pop really big. And there's all types of opportunities to make money on that. So if you're interested, go to mastermytrades.com. And even when the market's going down, you can short. And if you don't know what that means, well, you can learn about it at the Liberty Trading Academy, mastermytrades.com. We start at the very beginning, the very basics. You don't even know what trading is. There's Man, there's what? over You said over 200 videos. There's mm-hmm. slideshows. There's explanations on every single thing you can learn about the market. There's definitions. So everything you need to know about trading, start at the very beginning. Um, and we walk you through all of it. There's no reason not to do it. I bet there's a still free there, but there's still a free trial on there because Nate won't remove it. So go sign up, mastermytrades.com. As I mentioned earlier, patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty gets you into the live group discussion for as little as five bucks a month. Uh, Nate said one of the critiques we have is we kind of just talk to the live group. Well, part of that might be because they actually pay us. I don't know. They're part of the discussion. It's not that we it's that's that's not the actual critique is that we're talking to the live group. It's that we're talking to people like who are in our live group, meaning that we're talking to people who are on the same page as we are. 
We're and not as we're not winning as many converts. We're not converting. We're we're beating the dead horse drum. You know, we're we're a chamber of echoes. Yes, we're we're speaking into an echo chamber exactly. Yeah. And so that I thought that that was a useful. But what if our critique. echo is love? So, <laughs> what if it's an echo of love? It could be, Todd. I yeah. don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Compassion yeah. and diversity. What if we're all about that? Maybe. <laughs> so. But no, sign up for the live group. It's a lot of fun. We have so much fun all the time. And uh, you can do that for as little as five bucks a month. And there's other tiers, as we mentioned, do all of that. And then please continue to share the show with a friend. Our numbers uh, continue to climb. It's all because of you guys and everything that you do. Uh, even the money you give us goes directly into advertising. So everything that you all do has helped this show grow to where it is today. And we couldn't be more thankful for that. I literally, I haven't looked up the reviews in a while. And I literally just looked and we have like 40 new reviews just came in recently. So uh, literally like in the last month. So thank you guys for listening uh, to everything that we say to do. And that helps us way more than, you know, so uh, leave us that rating and review five stars. If you think it's worth it, which most of them come in are, we're still five out of five. Although I see a couple four stars and one three star, but mm. you know, most almost all probably the 96% of them are five stars, just like 96% of the people subscribe to this podcast. So subscribe, Go to mastermytrades.com or mastermystocks.com, patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty, and then share the show with a friend. Leave us that rating and review. You do all of that, and I mean all of it. Dagnabbit. We'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Who did Trump subpoena again? No, I mean, pardon. Susan B. Anthony. <laughs>